Man, one of the great advantages you get of standing up front is uh, hearing both ways. And you sounded awesome this morning in worship. It was great to hear you. Uh, Corey, glad to have you back again for a Sunday with us. And uh, great joy. I know it's made Mama happy uh, the last few days. She's been spying a lot more this morning, if you notice. Um, so I want to let you know that um, I'm not trying to be rude to people this morning by not shaking your hands. Uh, last Sunday morning, I was preaching and kind of got, felt something in my throat, and I felt like I was going to hack a lung up and uh, during the service and took a quick break. And after that, it's been kind of downhill all week. So I'm like, feeling better now, but I'm trying to avoid getting anybody else sick. So don't feel like I'm trying to be rude or distant um, or part with us. We're huggers around here and we're lovers. And uh, so, but we're glad you're here and excited you're part with us this morning. We've been looking at the book of Jonah, and, and as we've uh, been talking about it, hitting on it, we know that the, the great story about Jonah is Jonah and the well, we all know the story, right? But there's so much more to it. I mean, the story is just multiple, multiple levels. And then we're looking at it, and we've been taking the time to take, you know, focus. It's been a roller coaster ride of emotion. And uh, it, it's included uh, Jonah's rebellion, his fears, desperation in, in the whale's stomach, uh, repentance both of uh, Jonah and those on the boat and those in Nineveh. And now we get a clear picture this morning of, of anger. And it's interesting because it is an anger, that we, as we look at it, some of us are going to kind of laugh at it because we're going to go, man, Jonah, why don't you get it? Like, what is your problem? And I think throughout this book, we've looked at this and said, Jonah, why don't you get what God's trying to get through to you? But every time we've looked at that, we've had to say to ourselves, hey, why don't we get it oftentimes? What are we missing with God that God has to keep on coming back to us and putting circumstance in our life where he gets our attention? The great thing about this whole book is not about Jonah and a whale. It's really about the heart of God and the heart of God that he has for man and the heart of God that he has for you. And today we're going to see God's patience with Jonah through a discussion that they have. And it's kind of like a father-son discussion. Now, a question for you. How many have you ever been angry with God before? Be honest about it. Angry God. See, a lot of us, you know, we can say, hey, man, I've been frustrated with God. Hey, that's okay. We can say that. Hey, I'm disappointed in God. That's okay. When we start talking about being angry with God, we're going, wait a minute, isn't that like a sin or something? Or isn't there something not okay with that? Like, if we're angry with God, does it mean that God is going to be angry back? And that's not a good thing when God's angry with us. And that's kind of our response and anger with God. But what's so awesome about the heart of God as we see it is that God's heart is shown a huge and a broad way in this passage. His patience with Jonah, his patience with Nineveh, his patience over and over again that he has for us, we'll be able to see it this morning as we look at this passage. But God has this plan, and we see this intimate battle between God and Jonah, and God's plan and Jonah's plan. You see, it all began, the story, the whole thing begins with God saying, hey, Jonah, as my prophet, I want you to go and talk to the Ninevites. But Jonah had a different idea and took off the opposite direction. And then as he gets on a boat, God, you know, Jonah's sleeping away and he's just trying to act like nothing's happening and it's all good. The storm comes up and he realizes, oop, I made a mistake. He didn't want to have all the people on the ship go down with him. So he tells them, throw me overboard, which he does. We know the whole story. He gets eaten by a fish, gets thrown up by the fish on the beach. He goes and he preaches to the Ninevites and they all repent. And that's where we pick up the story. And we looked at last at chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, and it says, but he called out, listen to this, this great sermon, okay, now mine's not going to be this short this morning, sorry. But he called out in, verse, in chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, he says, he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. That's all he says. That's it right there. 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And it says, and the people of Nineveh believe God. Fastest sermon ever, probably the greatest response. Now, we, I'm sure he said more than that. 
But we know that those are specific words that he hit on, and there's two things that were amazing. And if you look at this, I mean, if any sermon like this that would have 120,000 people come to repent, I mean, people in seminaries everywhere will be studying that sermon. But here, it is so short, and it's just this, this, this truth which is preached. And Billy Graham would have been, you know, think about it, Billy Graham would have been a little bit jealous, even 120,000 people in one setting. And here it is, they're responding, and we look at that, and we know that they believe God. But it goes on in chapter 4, and here's Jonah's response. Now, remember something, Jonah was the preacher. He must have been feeling pretty good. I mean, if you have 120 people repent from God, you're called to go be, a, I mean, all of us preachers want that, wouldn't it? How many of you would like to preach a sermon where 120,000 people turn to God? A lot of us would. A lot of us would be ecstatic if just one person. For me, I'd just be happy if my kids listened. But anyway, it's like, how many of us would love to be? But here's Jonah, and his response is anything but what we'd expect. And look what it says in chapter, in chapter 4, starting at verse 1. That's what I said. It pleased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee Tarshish. Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? This is a classic study, a case study of an argument between a son and a dad. It's almost that aspect of saying, the kid saying, hey dad, you told me to do something, but you know what? Look what happened. My will didn't get done. I told you this was going to happen. You ever say that to your parents as a kid? See, look, Mom and Dad, I told you that if I was nice to that kid, it wouldn't work out right. See, Mom and Dad, you told me if I did those things right, that it would work out. Look what happened. I remember when I was a kid, my parents would always say, you know, everything you could do to avoid having a fight, whatever, you know. And so I was trying to be nice to this one kid who kept on, and I shared a little bit about this one time. And, and he ended up punching me. And I thought, see, Mom and Dad? See what happens when you're nice to people? You ever feel that way with God? See, God, I told you if I was nice to that person, they were just going to keep on burning me. See, God, I told you if I talked to my neighbor, because you wake up the next morning and they think that your friend's now, so they can put their trash in your front yard. And you go, see, God, I told you. And this is that moment between Jonah and God where we go, why a sick battle? And we see why Jonah's angry as we look at this passage. And we go, why would Jonah be angry? I mean, gosh, look at all the great things that just happened. But the thing is, it's a perspective. It's always about perspective. And here Jonah is angry, and he's angry with God. And what's so interesting about our anger with God is it is always about perspective. And I want you to grab onto that because maybe this morning you've come and you're struggling with anger with God. There's something in your life that you're going, God, I did this. Look, I forgave them. God, I showed them patience. God, I showed them love. God, I spoke to that family member about you, like you said, and they made fun of me. See, God? See? See what happens when I'm See what happens when you didn't do things my way, God? You ever said that to God before? And we don't like to admit it, but that's what goes on in our hearts. And this battle is a battle of the heart between God and Jonah to understand really what it's all about. You see, the heart of Jonah, and some of the things I'm going to look at it, is because Jonah, as he's angry with God, he believes, first of all, that he's justified. He believes that he was right to be angry because things didn't turn out the way that he thought they should. Now, let me tell you some things about Jonah. He's a man. He's limited. He has limited insights. He has limited understanding. He has even limited experience compared to God's. And while God used him to do great things, it would still encompass the end that our God, he was still limited. 
And so when we get angry with God, we have to understand that our perspective is, is that I feel like I'm justified in a circumstance to be angry with God, to be bitter towards someone, to be angry about the circumstances that happen, to look at the results. One of the great debates going on right now is the question of abortion. And one of the interesting things about that is it's coming up before the Supreme Court possibly again, and people look at that and they say, look, look, and so often people who follow through and, and end up having, have, having had children say, look, it's not going to turn out the way I thought. I know I should have done this. God, I did what you want, but I really wanted this. And we begin to have a battle, and this oftentimes we see, and, and women sometimes go through that, who choose to go ahead and have those children. But what's interesting, the same discussion goes on for those who choose not to. But we don't really put God into it until we've already made that decision oftentimes for those that are, that are choosing, making those choices, and that's the way it is in life. That we make poor choices. We go, hey, wait, I'll, I'll obey, but I'm angry, I'm bitter, I'm frustrated. Now, I've met girls who struggled with it afterwards because they knew their life was going to be a challenge, and they chose to keep that child. But what they forgot was the blessings that God had for them, the value of life, the importance of it, the significance of valuing that that with time, God revealed himself to them and showed them those things. But God doesn't always say, when you obey me, it's going to go, because we think away and you're thinking what you desire, what you want, it's not going to be a perfect life, because we think, hey, if I just obey God, everything will be great, it'll be perfect. That's not what God's word says. God says, I'm not going to make you happy over one instance or one circumstance. What God says is, I have a lifelong goal for you of bringing the greatest joy to your life and the greatest purpose for you. And if you believe it's just one moment of obeying me and everything is going to be perfect from then on out, even a difficult thing, you're misunderstanding. And so here's Jonah. Years before, God had used him to bless the Israelites. He took the word to them, and then what happens is he turns around, and here God wants to use him again, and then the results are the Ninevites repent. And what happens? Jonah goes, that's not what I wanted. They should have been burned. He says, God, let me, let me tell you how it should be. Let me explain this to you. He says this, he says, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee the Tarshish. God, I was just minding my own business. I'd done your job, I'd done what you want me to do, and God, here I am sitting here, and God, in my own way. And you came and told me to preach to these terrible people. You know what you made me do? I told you I didn't want to preach, and now look, they're repenting. You know something about his heart? He hated the Ninevites, didn't he? He couldn't see his own prejudices versus what God wanted. And he was misunderstanding God and even things that are there. You see, so often it's our own prejudice that blinds us to the truth of God and even the truth of ourselves. You see, the Ninevites were those that would have been the ancestors of those that live in Iraq now. The Ninevites were a brutal people, as we talked about, and I'm not going to go into the details of that, but they would be the ancestors of Al-Qaeda and ISIS. They're beginning to destroy others, and they're brutal today as they were brutal back then. He had a hate for them as a Jew because they'd been abusive to the whole world, and everyone knew about it. And he said, you know what? They, be destroyed. they deserve to be destroyed just as they destroyed others. They deserve no mercy just like they gave no mercy to others. They deserve to be punished just like they punished others. They deserved to be wiped from the earth just like they tried to wipe others from the earth. You see, Jonah began to look at it in human terms and say, let's all go down to that bottom level, that bottom line, the lowest place we can be, and give to others what they deserve. Well, who decides that? 
God says, you know what? It's only me. I'm the only one that understands my plan, but Jonah tried to put that place in place, that thought and that idea, and here we see it. And it's so true of us sometimes when we're angry with God. We have those places in our life and we say, hey, God, you know what? I followed you. And for you, I've tried to do what's right with you. God, I, I've tried to be patient. God, I, I've tried to do all that I can for you. And God, look at them. They disgraced you. God, they attacked you. God, they attacked me. God, they put me down. God, they did everything they could to destroy me. They broke my heart. God, they don't deserve. And so we hold on to our anger. We hold on to those things because we even think God doesn't understand and because we think God doesn't understand and his pleasant doesn't fit ours, that we hold it against God and say, see, God, I told you. I told you. This is a classic case of a temper tantrum. He was an angry man. It was kind of like at Christmas time in the mall when you see parents there. They got three or four kids, and what happens right in the middle of them all, how do kids know when to have the strongest temper tantrums? Do they go to classes for this or something, or did we miss the book, or what is it? It's just like they know that right moment to cause the ultimate pain for their parents and the ultimate stress for everyone around them. And they let it loose in the middle of them all. They have that temper tantrum, they sit down, and they refuse to do what their parents want them to do because they want something different. You all know what, you're all smiling, you know what I'm talking about. And here is Jonah sitting in the middle of Nineveh. Who knows where he's at? He's in the city somewhere, and he's throwing his temper tantrum with, why don't you get him? See, God, I told you. Kicking his feet and stomping and going, why don't you get it? What's wrong with you? Why don't you think, see things my way? What's going on here? And here you have it. Jonah has this meltdown at the center with God. You see, anger causes us to have this meltdown oftentimes with God first. Then we believe that we're justified as he was in his anger, and he holds to that. He's able to hold that because he believes that he deserves it. It's like for some of us here, maybe we believe that our sister or brother was treated better as we grew up than we were, that God let our parents treat us that way, and therefore I have a right to be kind of angry with God. Maybe a job didn't work out the way I thought. Maybe you were living the dream and suddenly that dream was taken away and you go, wait a minute, God, I had the dream. You gave it to me. What's wrong? Why don't you understand? It's been difficult. God, what are you thinking? And so we hold our anger towards God. It could be that our marriage isn't what we hoped it would be. Maybe one of our kids rebels. Maybe even we've lost one of our kids. There's a multitude of things that cause us to be angry with God if we, if we admit it to ourselves and we kind of hold it inside and, and it begins to eat and struggle. And this is what's happening in Jonah's life, that he had this, let me decide hatred for the Ninevites. And, and God said, here, let me poke you there. Let me poke you in your angry place. Let me poke you in the depth of your heart where you're storing up this anger and this bitterness and this belief that you have the right to keep control. And God's poking him there. Why would God poke Jonah in his anger? In his very place, there's other prophets that God could have sent. Why would he choose Jonah, who God knew had those issues in his heart? Because God had a plan for Jonah. It's because God wasn't done with Jonah, and God wasn't done with the Ninevites. 
And you wonder sometimes, why does God poke me in my anger? Why can't he just leave me alone? Why do I have to come and hear this sermon about my anger and being angry with God? Why does God poke me there? Because God's not done with you yet. It's because God wants to ask you the same question that he asks Jonah in this passage. The second thing about Jonah is he was self-centered, focusing on what he wanted, not God. It's pretty simple. We've seen that throughout the book, right? We know that self-centeredness oftentimes causes a division between us and God. It was about Jonah and his plans and his thoughts. And Jonah even admits this. Listen, this is interesting. He says in verse 2, For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, the Ninevites disaster. I knew that if I went and I told the Ninevites, they might just repent. I knew that you, I knew your character, God. I knew you were gracious. I knew you were loving. I knew that you were merciful, that you were slow to anger, God. That you're abounding in steadfast love, abounding, been just overflowing in that, and relenting from disaster. I knew if I wouldn't preach to them, God, they might turn, and then I wouldn't have my will done. But God, they deserve it. Jonah was a Jew. He was a very proud Jew, evidently, and he knew he was one of God's chosen people. And quite possibly, part of his self-centeredness, he believed that the actual universe rotated around him. That he had the right to be that because the Jews as God's chosen people, they were special and God's chosen people were the only ones that deserved God's mercy and God's grace. You see, God promised his people those things, didn't he? He, he promised to continue to be blessing over, after blessing to them. He chose to continue to be patient with the people of Israel. He chose to continue to help them even when they were rebelled against God, that God would come back and when they would repent, they would, he would relent. And Jonah said, I should have the corner on that, God, because that's what you promised. You see, God promised that to Jonah, but he never promised that he would never give it to the rest of the world. God's mercy, God's love, God's care, God's compassion, all those things are promised to all of us. What God said to the Israelites, you are my chosen people. He will bring a blessing. But he didn't say he wouldn't give blessing to anyone else. And at times in our self-centeredness, when we are focused on our, our frustration, our anger, our disappointments, we turn it to God and say, God, wait a minute, I thought that was about me. God, I, I, I wanted you to show me mercy. God, I wanted you to get me out of the depths of my pain. God, I wanted you to get me away from my bad choices. God, I wanted you to, but God, those who caused it, burn them. Trash them. God, wipe them from the face of the earth because no one else deserves to feel what I feel. But in God's wisdom, God says, you know what? You don't understand. Because as much as they've hurt you, you've hurt me a hundredfold. As much as they failed you, you failed me over and over again. And how quickly Jonah forgot, isn't it? How quickly Jonah forgot that he was rebellious to God. How quickly Jonah forgot that he ran from God's truth. How quickly he forgot that in the belly of the whale, Jonah cried out, and God in his mercy said, Jonah, I'm going to release you. But even though Jonah was released, he wasn't free. Say, man, God. And we can go to God in our anger and our frustration, the things that hurt us, and say, man, God, I want you to help me there. God, I want you to take some of that pain away. God, I want you to take some of the struggle away. God, I want you to meet me right there. But it doesn't mean that we're free. 
You see, freedom comes when we see things from the heart of God. Not from the heart of our own experience. Not from the heart of our ego. Our view of what's just and what's right. The truth is that it's a good possibility that Jonah was prejudiced. It's a good possibility that Jonah believed that he was greater than, better than. I like how one other pastor put it that I listened to this week about some of this. He said that our preferences often become our prejudices. That Jonah, in this passage, believed that they didn't deserve it, but that turned into a prejudice against the Ninevites, and in our lives, oftentimes that happens as well. That when God's heart doesn't match with ours, we begin to look at people differently, and it's sad because this is oftentimes true of the church. We'll look at this some more next week, but I just want to challenge you to think about it. How often do we, in the church, see the world as the enemy? Well, Satan's the enemy. He's the one that destroys, and he's the one that works through people. But oftentimes we see those in the world as the enemy while God's just trying to love them. And so our response is we believe that it's our role to judge, to attack, to, to push away, to be a little bit better than. And then when the world gets blessings and we in the church are saying, look, we're struggling, people aren't respecting us the way they should, God, where are you, what's happening? We go, well, wow, the world's the enemy, what's wrong with them? Well, people are not God's enemy. People are not those, not one of them, that God wouldn't say, I sent my son Jesus to die for. But Jonah, in his anger towards God, so the Ninevites differently. And when we're self-centered and self-focused, our ego allows us to begin to judge people based on our value of them and not on God's. It begins to change our whole perspective of everyone around us because then people become objects because we're justified and we're angry. And when they don't help me feel better, when they don't meet my place, the place I think they should be, I begin to turn them away. And Jonah was at God and they were at odds. His hurt, his hurt from what he's seen the Ninevites do in the past, it become from for more. And this is so great. Instead of it being a triumphant for moment, moment for Jonah, instead of him saying, look, let's praise God for what's gone on, he could be sitting in the center of that kingdom, praising God, lifting him up. He could have been the hero, probably. He invited to the king's castle. We all repented. Jonah could have led them to a great revival there at that time, seeking after God. But instead, Jonah wanted none of that. In verse 3, he says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take from my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Is this, I'm sure it's okay to say this, but Jonah was a bit of a drama queen. Woe is me! I'm going to feel faint. I'm going to die. Life's terrible. Do you know what just happened? Ah! You know drama queens? Life's going to end as they know it. It's like they get a 99 and they're going to fail the class. There are people that look at everything and they come down to it. And this is exactly what Jonah began to say to God. Woe is me. Take my life. Come on, God. We're having this struggle here. I'm angry. God's not budging. 
So what does he do? He turns around and he tries to manipulate God. And he goes, okay, then just take my life. You mean let's just end this whole thing? Let's get over. You ever say that to God? You may not say it, but do you quit on God? When God doesn't see things your way, do you give up? Say, I tried. Just take my life. It's over with. Well, we just kind of go through the motions. You can be at church, man. You can be showing up every Sunday. You can even pick up your Bible. You can go to camp. You can listen and preach. But you may not be fit. You may have said to God, God, you didn't see things my way. I'm angry. And when God didn't say, hey, it's okay. I'll change everything. I'll fix it for you the way you want. You go, oh, wait a minute. I'm done with this God thing. You check out on God. And it's exactly what Jonah was trying to do. He's saying, God, I'm checking out. Woe is me. I'm going to die. In weddings, you see this kind of thing all the time. I mean, there's so much that goes beyond this, you know, behind the scenes of weddings and getting to do weddings. I've seen some rather comical moments. The rehearsal dinner is one of the greatest things ever because people are jockeying for position all the time. If you have two people on each side who are very, very opinionated, they will jockey for opinion. And then all of a sudden, someone goes, oh, it's okay, I'm just not going to, you know, I don't have to come tomorrow. I love that statement. I looked at them and go, time and wedding idea. That's not what they wanted to hear. They people jockey all the time in weddings. Well, you know, all you need to do is, I've only asked for one thing. Can I just have the, the purple flowers with the, the red and the, you know, it's only one thing. Hey, tomorrow's a wedding. Yeah, I just want one thing. Can we start at one o'clock so I don't have to get up so early? Hey, I just want one thing. Can I, you know, it's kind of like this jockeying. This is exactly what Jonah is doing with God, and it's what we do with God. We say, okay, God, fine, I quit, I give up, I'm done. And here's God's response to Jonah. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Is your anger good for you, Jonah? What good is going to come out of your anger? This is one of the greatest questions I believe that we can ask in our lives. When we're bitter, we're angry, we're holding things against people or God. What a great question. What good does it do me to hold my anger? What good is going to come out of your anger, Jonah? Look at what happened. The people turned to me and repented. Jonah, I wanted you to have blessings. Jonah, I wanted you to have joy. I wanted you to have a reason to celebrate, to understand the power of God, that you would change one of the most destructive cities in the world ever, the cruelest me. A miracle. What does Jonah do? It's about me. I wanted to bless you, but it's about me. And in our anger, so often we miss God's blessing. Our anger clouds us from understanding what God's doing and how he's working. And when we carry our anger, we have to understand the end game with it. There is no good in carrying anger. There is no good end game in carrying anger in our lives, especially against God. Now, God will continue to love us. God will continue to, to seek to direct our lives. God will continue to bless us. God will continue to want to give us. The God will but you see, it's the barriers that we build up in our anger that keep us from enjoying God's blessings. 
And so often wonder, God, why is it that this difficult time is prolonged? Why is it this desert I'm in is prolonged? It's because God is shouting and we keep on going in the same path. We're still headed to Tarshish. We're still doing our own way. And God says, are you hearing me? I'm waiting. I want to bless you because I have these things for you. And this, this path of anger that you're going down, really thinking. And if Jonah went into Nineveh and shared what he was really thinking, what do you think would have happened? I'm sure the Ninevites would have first gone, whoa, wait a minute. You're the one that preached to us about God's forgiveness and God's repenting. And God, what about you? And, and Jonah would go, yeah, but you don't understand what you did to my people. You don't understand what happened. You see, our anger ruins our message of Christ. The question we have to ask is, for us who follow Jesus, when we say, I take your, your forgiveness in my life, when I accept what you did for me on the cross, it means that Jesus died for everything in my life. It means I give it all to him. But what our anger says is I have the right to hold these things back from others. And that's what are you going to say to God? And the question we have to ask is, what good is my anger? What makes me feel a little better? Well, short term, for a moment. But our anger can become an excuse not to deal with the junk that goes along and we just keep on adding the junk into our life and the junk into our life. And before we know, it begins to build up and we don't even see it. We think we've got life under control and we don't. Now, you're if you've got anger at the center of your heart, let me speak truth to you right now. You're not in control. You're not even in control of your heart. And you're not even in control of your life because other people are causing you to have that anger, which means they've got control in your life. You see, the Ninevites had control over Jonah because of his anger. He was missing out on the blessings. And do you understand that it's our anger that keeps us from those things that God has? And God asked the question, what good will your anger bring you? But being justified and living outside the will of God will always bring us harm. It will always cause us a struggle because God wants us to come in line with what he has for us because he wants to bless us. And it goes on and says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under in the shade until he could see, oh, excuse me, until he should see what will become of the city. Here we go again. Jonah's awesome. Still throwing his temper tantrum. I'm going to go out and sit outside the city. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to fold my arms and I'm going to wait. Let's see if the Ninevites really follow God. Let's see if they really do what you're sitting there. And it's even better because kind of he's saying to God, hey God, I don't want to wake up and start. You have somebody that, like that in your life? They woke up and started an argument. Then as she used to say something back, they go, I don't want to talk about it. You ever your kids to that before? I crack up because the other day I had someone tell me that's what their kids said to them. Their kid was misbehaving. They disciplined them. They started to say something to them. And as soon as the kid realized their parent was going to win, the parent was a little bit bigger. The parent had control. Suddenly the kid turned and said, I don't want to talk about it anymore. The parent says, no, we need to talk about it. No, I don't have to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. Well, you need to talk. We need to talk. this. No, I'm not going to. You had that discussion with your kids before? 
That's exactly what Jonah is doing. He's saying, okay, we'll see. I'm not going to talk to you about this anymore, God. And by the way, in the discussion about your heart, just so you know this is something that, if you haven't grasped onto this fact yet, this is really important you grasp onto. In discussions about your heart, about your heart issues, you can think you can rebel against God. You can think you can go your own way. You can think you do. But here's an insight. The discussion about your heart's not over until God says it's over. That's an important thing for us to grasp onto. No matter how rebellious, no matter how far we run, no matter how angry we get, the discussion about your heart isn't over until God says, our life, it's over. Because God will bring circumstance in our life to, to show us his desire, his blessing, what he wants for us, his, his purpose, his ways. And we can't control the circumstances of life, can we? We can go sit in our chair in the family room and say, I'm just going to watch football the rest of my life, God. I don't want to have, hear anything you have to say to me. La, 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 la. We may not do that physically, but we do it inside. But just so you know something, the discussion about your heart isn't over until God says it's over. And it will never be over. Because God is always wanting us to grow. God is always wanting us to, to become stronger in Him and understand Him better. And as we do that, our lives begin to change to have more and more purpose. And so if you're angry with God, guess what? The discussion's still waiting. God's just ready for you to unfold your arms and say, okay, let's go, God, I'm ready. But in the meantime, God is going to be patient with you and God is going to... But you know who's hurt? We are. Who misses out on the blessings? We are. And God will help us with our hurts and our, our places we struggle, but God will work in it. Verse 6, it says, Now the Lord God, as he's sitting there, now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah, he would be out and sit outside the city, fold his arms and watch, because quite possibly God still might burn them and he would be a happy person. So Jonah was exceedingly Glad because of the plant. Does God raise this plant up to bless him one day? Now God's showing Jonah, hey, I'm going to give you blessing, but let me give you the reality of it. When dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, so it withered. God gives and God takes away. Jonah's like, yeah, hey, this is cool. I can sit here and wait for the city to be destroyed. God grows up a plant. Jonah's like, oh, this is awesome. I get to sit in the shade of it. And then God sends a worm to take it away. And look at Jonah's response. It goes on, it says, When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. Jonah, are you listening to me? You're faint. It was so much there that he was, he was getting worn out. He was wearing down, and he asked that he might die again. I'm getting tired of this thing. I'm getting tired of all this junk. Just let me die. It is better for me to die than to live. Oh, Jonah, drama queen once again. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Do you do well to be angry? You thought you had that blessing and, and it was taken away. You thought you had that thing under control and, and it changed. You thought you had it figured. Jonah, are you not going to hear me? And he asked him a question, do you do well to be Jonah said, he said, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. What a child. If we were watching this happen, which we are, I don't know about you, but I kind of started cracking up inside going, this is kind of comical. The God, God 
God keeps on talking to Jonah, and Jonah keeps on pouting and acting like a two-year-old. I'm sure glad I never do that in my life. I'm sure glad that I never hold on to things. Well, everybody else knows, man, if you just let that go. You ever know somebody who's super bitter and angry? And it gets to the point you just laugh at them because they're trying so hard to be bitter and angry? Sometimes we work at it because it's an excuse we have. Sometimes we work at those things we can hold against God. Sometimes we say, you don't get it, man. You know what I feel inside. But God does. And here's Jonah as he sits here just seeing it. And God says, Jonah, I'm not dumb. Let's keep talking. Do you do, do you do good to be angry? And Jonah goes, okay, God, I get it. Yeah, I can be angry if I want to be. Yeah, it's okay, God. It's no problem, God. Yes, I do. Enough to die. Look at verse 10, and the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which you came into being a night and perished in a night. Jonah, your anger of that blessing that you had for that moment, but I wanted to bless your whole life, believing that... Jonah, your perspective is so small about your anger because you keep on believing that as you hold on to it, you have control. You see, God was trying to explain to Jonah that he'd shown him pity and patience and grace, that God had this plan to do great things, but Jonah was missing it. And Jonah said, oh, he goes, your perspective is so small. Should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which were more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? You pity the plant that dried up. You just wanted to use my blessing you believe you deserved that blessing I gave you. You believe that you earned it. You believe somehow you had a right to it, and therefore when it's not there, you can be angry. An interesting thing about this book is every year on Yom Kippur, it's the highest Jewish holy day, the Jews come together and read the book of Jonah. And when they're all done, they say to themselves, we are Jonah. They recognize their need to, to put God in the proper place in their life and to look at their anger and the things they hold against God. And they recognize their place they need to have as they hold to that. And to say to our, and the question sometimes that we need to look as we read this book of Jonah, to say to ourselves, I am Jonah. Do I hold my anger? Do I hold things against God believing that somehow that will change and that will make things better. Does our anger have any good? You see, anger eats inside of us. Anger begins to destroy the things that we're unaware of because it begins to, to eat away at the foundations of, of the salvation we've experienced in Christ and it's a way at the, the truths of what God has said because we don't want to hear those truths clearly because we, we, we keep God from those depths. We fold our arms and say, God, I don't want to hear you any longer. And this morning, I'm sure that as we sit here, there's some of you that you look at your heart. As soon as we started talking about this, you folded your arms and went, nah, 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 God, I don't want to hear this. You've been hanging on to anger for a long time, maybe your whole life, even towards God. But I want to tell you that when we come to hope, our goal is not to make you comfortable. 
Our goal is not to see things your way or most important, to help understand each other better. While we want to do that and build community, the most important thing is that we would help us see things from God's perspective. That we want people, as they come here, want to challenge you to become healthy people with Jesus. Not just church attenders that fill a seat. Because God has called us to challenge people to, to become right in their relationship with Jesus. And there's no perfect people in this room. If you're feeling like, man, I, you don't even know what's going on in my life, you're in the right room, you're in the right place. Because all of us have a story and have places where we've failed and struggled and haven't done things God's way. There's hypocrites in this room. Yeah, we admit it. So let's just get away from that argument. Because we want to be. But we're imperfect people seeking after an awesome God. But the goal is that we would help people become healthy. And this morning, if you've been holding that anger against God, if you've been sitting as Jonah did, and you believe you have the right to prejudice or the right to your way, your right to cling to that anger towards God because of the ways in which you feel failed, understand that God would ask us the question, what good is your anger doing you? That while Jonah missed God's blessing, those things it's the same for us as we hold on to those angers and say, I will do it my way, God. I will do it those things I think will be best. God, I'm going to cling to it instead of totally surrendering to you. You see, in surrendering those things to God is when we understand how to come out of it healthy. Understanding the fullness of the cross of Christ, then we release those things to him and say, God, it's yours. As much as Jesus died for every sin in our life, he died for every sin for those people that have hurt you. He died for every sin of those people which have tried maybe to destroy you or disappoint you. And I love the saying that it's all level ground at the foot of the cross. Because God's mercy is not because of what we've done or because we deserve it. Because God doesn't give us what he deserves, but he gives us love. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to take a minute with God this morning. And I don't know where everyone's at in this room, but I want to challenge you. If there's an aspect of, of anger in your life that you've been clinging to, if there's an aspect you're angry with God and God has been shouting out to you and God's been speaking to your heart, and you keep on saying to God, wait, the discussion's over. I, I don't want to touch that. It hurts too much. Enough. To touch that place. If you're angry with God because you feel like He's not forgiven you, you feel like there's things in your life that are too big, God says, I'm going to meet you right there, and that's what I died for. And this morning, I would challenge you if you've got anger you've been holding on to, man, you need to come and talk to somebody. We want to get you healthy to help you understand how to conquer those places in your life. God's Word and the Holy Spirit as God empowers that. God wants us to conquer those places in our lives. But He's shouting out to you. And He's not going to let go. He's going to keep on poking you until you say, okay, God, I yield. 
Help me get my heart healthy. Let me see my world as you do, God. 